Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Be with you this Sunday. I kind of feel like I'm an adopted member of this body. I've been here a lot. I know so many people here. Of course, the uh, the team, uh, Pastor Steve and Dave and all, and Pastor Dave Rao, I've worked with since the last century. So that uh, gives me some history, does it not? I'm so glad we can look into the one place we can find comfort and direction and hope. And that's the word of God. We don't have to wonder and worry and, and be anxious. We, we can go directly to the uh, inspired word of God and he'll meet our every need. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you today that you are the source. You're the fountain, Lord, that um, helps our, our cup overflow and that gives uh, living water to our thirsty souls, gives us directions in murky times of emotions when it's not clear uh, what path we should go. You've, you've promised to be our great shepherd. And uh, we pray for this church. We pray for the leadership here. We pray for our community. And we pray for our country, Lord, in these times. And we do lift the people of the Ukraine up to you, Lord, that you might uh, comfort them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. Well, our, our, our message today is entitled, In the Shadow of the Shepherd. And while we begin, please open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 34, and we'll be in verses 11 and following. In the shadow of the shepherd of the shepherd. Now anybody who talks in the pulpit about sheep and shepherds has to pay homage uh, to Psalm 23. Uh, Of course, that's the classic text, but we're not going to be there today. But I I do want to point out some things about sheep and shepherd that we find from Psalm 23, keeping in mind that that psalm is written from the sheep viewpoint. So it's kind of the sheep looking up at the shepherd and reciting the benefits of being one of the shepherd's sheep. So in that, we find kind of a job description for the sheep in Psalm 23. Uh, Here is the responsibilities, the the checklist for a sheep. Number one, lie down. Lie down in the grass. If you remember the great old Charlie Peacock song, there you go. Uh, Walk by the still waters. Be led. Be fed. Be protected. Be provided for. Have your cup overflow, and then enjoy the house of the Lord forever. Sounds like a decent job description to me. So I raise my paw or my hoof or whatever and say, yes, I want to be one of God's sheep. But with that in view, let's turn to Ezekiel 34 now, and let's look downward at the sheep from the shepherd's perspective, which we don't often do. Uh, Everyone Probably the two best verses known in the Bible are Psalm 23 and John 3.16. But Ezekiel 34 wouldn't make that list, but I think it's really crucial that we get the the shepherd's viewpoint. What what does he see? What is he thinking when he looks upon his sheep and his uh, his flock in the pasture? So I'm going to read through it for you, and then we'll, we'll go through and parse it from the shepherd's standpoint. 
Uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 11, to see this relationship. For thus says the Lord, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out his flock on the day he is among them. I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered. I will bring them out on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and, and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountain of Israel in the valleys and all the inhabited places and their fold shall be in the high mountains of Israel. Their pasture and their fold shall be there. They shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken, and strengthen what was sick. That's the shepherd's viewpoint of his sheep, what he's willing to do. And the problem with sheep is that they're sheep. And um, this fifth, short 15-second video uh, speaks volumes. See if, uh, if you can relate to it as I can. Been there, done that. <laughs> the problem with sheep, um, be, being called a sheep is, is not a compliment. You can forget the Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that blah, 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 the sheep was sure to go wrong. That's not how sheep roll. Okay. Sheep are foolish, they are defenseless, and they are dirty. And that's the best things I can think to say about sheep. Um, sheep aren't the fleecy little lambs that, that float around and whatnot. Sheep um, never come home on their own. Now, that's not true of other animals now, is it? In fact, here's a story from Ripley's Believe It or Not that um, it's about Bobby the Wonder Dog. He was a dog who covered 2,000 551 miles on his own to return home to his family in Silverton, Oregon. After he was lost while his owners were visiting family in Walcott, Indiana. Ripley's estimated the journey may have been as long as 3,000 miles. This dog found his way home. That would never happen with a sheep. You, you hear stories about cats doing that periodically, not so much, but mainly dogs if this, do amazing things. And again, sheep never find their way home. Um, sheep, in fact, they say have a vision of only 15 to 20 yards. They're very myopic in, in that way. They're very short-sighted. Short and they just naturally, naturally wander away. That's just their habit, just to kind of wander away like teenagers in the mall, just wandering around and just going from place to place and they'll, they'll find you at the churro stand. Um, they, they naturally overgraze. In fact, if they're not moved from pasture to pasture, they'll eat the grass down to the nubs and then starve to death. Now, how stupid is that? But that's what sheep will do if they aren't tended, if they aren't brought to those green pastures by a wise shepherd. 
they wander away in doing so, they make themselves vulnerable to predators because predators are always lurking, looking for lamb chops, and um, they, they often, often find them. And then the other, the other classic commentary on the shepherd-sheep relationship is by an author named Philip Keller, who's a, a true-to-life true shepherd from uh, New Zealand, and he also worked in British Columbia up in Canada, and he's written a series of books about a shepherd, uh, a she, a shepherd looks at sheep, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23, a sheep, he made a whole career out of writing different things about who's looking at what. But um, one thing he, ta- he talks about is that sheep have a tendency to get cast down. And you might recognize that phrase from, from David's Psalms where he says, why so cast down, O my soul? Now the, the term cast down we're not so familiar with, but think of a, think of a turtle flipped over on its shell just paddling his little flippers around. It's in a hopeless condition. And that's precisely the definition of a sheep being cast down. They somehow start rolling, they try to roll, and they have their fur is so matted, their, their wool is so matted, they, they get stuck on their backs with their legs flipping in the wind, and they will literally die in that condition. They're unable, unless they're turned over by their shepherd, they're unable to, to revive and respond, and they'll find themselves cast down and dead. And you can go to some hills in Palestine, they say, and just see shepherds or sheep's uh, skeletons with their feet up in the air, where they just died in that condition because they lacked a good shepherd. And so that can happen to to humans, can it not? We can come to a place of such depression, such loneliness, such desperation, that our souls are in such a position of the, the pits that we are cast down. And until and unless the good shepherd comes and rescues us, we too may are in danger, at least, of perishing. And so we are in desperate need of a shepherd. That leads us to look at some other dangers for the sheep. Let's look at three more in particular. And um, for context for our text today in Ezekiel, we don't have time to cover it, but you may want to look at verses 1 through 6 of chapter 34 later on. And you'll find an indictment of false shepherds because we're all following somebody. We're all being led by someone. Uh, Someone may be a passion, It may be a person, it may be a lifestyle decision, it may be doctrine, but we are all being led somewhere by someone. And in this this situation, God is indicting false shepherds for preying upon his sheep, for being more concerned about their own well-being than they are for the sheep. In fact, taking advantage of them, and that is... um, talked about in the book of of Peter in the New Testament as well. There are false shepherds that are about. And so uh, they have a a grave concern for God because God cares deeply for his sheep. He's not distant and unattached. That we are uh, illustrative of being in the sheep-shepherd relationship tells of the intimacy that God has for his people. He has a grave concern about doctrine, about your goals, about your lifestyle. False shepherds anger him, and he takes action, as we will see shortly. Zechariah eleven seventeen says, Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. 
God's very concerned about how shepherds behave. So false shepherds are a huge problem. False doctrine is a huge problem because it leads people astray. It leads people away from soundness. It leads people away from the full counsel of God's word. It often emphasizes one particular doctrine. Now, that doctrine may be in the Bible. That is the problem. You may be hearing somebody preach what's chapter and verse. The problem is it's unbalanced. It's out of context. It doesn't have the full counsel of God's word. The Bible says scripture interprets scripture. And we need to have the full counsel of God's word doing what? Rightly dividing it. Having that ability to know what the full, the full doctrine is. So that's number one. False shepherds are a deep danger to the sheep of God. Number two, there are active predators seeking out to destroy the people of God. And they are um, looking for who? The wandering and the weak. Those who wander away are, are those who are often vulnerable to predators who are ready to pounce on a sheep. And that uh, one predator we know from the book of uh, Peter and also the book of Genesis is that sin crouches at the door seeking to pounce on us and, it goes, and Satan himself goes about like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And it's, to live in denial is to live in ignorance. We're to say, well, I'm a, I've been a Christian for decades and I've read the Bible so many times. To think you aren't vulnerable and capable of being uh, destroyed by either of those things is, is not wise at all. We need to, where, where does the predator not go? The answer is near the shepherd because he has that club and that's what he's there protecting the sheep. So the sheep who are closest to the shepherd are the least vulnerable to the possible attacks of those, uh, of those predators. So we need to stay near to the shepherd. Thus our title today, living in the shadow of the shepherd. Thirdly, um, we have false shepherds, we have predators who are ready to pounce upon us, and then we have uh, self-inflicted stupidity. And uh, that's just a fact. That's just, that's just the, the way we are. Wandering off, uh, eating. You know, sheep will eat poisonous food. Sheep will put themselves in peril. And the reasons we need to be by still waters is sheep won't go by rushing water. They won't go and drink out of white water. They're easily spooked. And so we, um, we, we need to keep ourselves with our bearings, with our short-sighted vision, that 15 to 20 yards that we also have as, as, as Christians sometimes, need to keep the shepherd fully in view. Thus the well-known hymn, Come Thou Fount, of many blessings, where I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. That's a wise prayer. I, I recognize that, that draw, that tendency, that magnetism that, that, that the world seems to have on me because we have that uh, embedded sin nature. For now, see, we've been delivered uh, from the penalty of sin, but right now the presence of sin is active, eventually we'll be totally delivered from sin, period. 
And that day will be a, what a happy day, as Phil Keggy said, what a happy day that will be, indeed. Um, so we need to recognize the fact that we, we have this tendency and we need to look for solutions. And we also have to kind of do a parenthesis here, parentheses here and recognize that God has installed in our life three kinds of inferior shepherds, inferior shepherds. Uh, when I was uh, raising the kids, I would explain to them that uh, if you put yourself into a circle and then draw a circle very tight to it, uh, the first level of authority, the first level of alarm, the first level of warning you have is your conscience installed by God. And though, though our conscience has been warped by sin, we still have the ability to hear God's voice through our conscience. And that's the first thing you will, uh, you will get a, a tinge, you'll get that, that, that rattle from God, don't touch that stove, don't go there. But if you insist and you can sear your conscience, you can close your heart, your, your ears to that conscience, is your, your family. God has put a family around you. The second circle around all of our lives has been our family, where your parents ideally are acting out, being good shepherds for you and leading you in that path. And then you have the church. That'd be the other circle around you. Ideally, if you're involved in a, a Bible-based church, there you have youth leaders, you have uh, pastors, you have elders looking out for the church. And finally, the state. And we're not going to go there. But the state is technically there to, to protect us. The first thing that it ought to do is to keep us secure, that we are secure from the, the onslaught of other nations and other evils. These are God-given authorities for our guidance and protection. Now listen, to the best of each of their abilities, they are to provide the benefits we listed in Psalm 23. They are to lead, to feed, to watch, and to warn. To lead, to feed, to watch, and to warn. That's the responsibility of your parents, uh, of, of, the, of the church, and of the state, to make sure we are led, fed, watched, and warned. Listen, listen to Paul's final words to the elders at Ephesus listed in Acts 20. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, elders, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul goes on, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you, every one of you, night and day, with tears. Isn't that good? The responsibilities of leadership in the church, to lead, to feed, to watch, and to warn. So listen, I draw from that these conclusions. Above all, our churches must be biblically literate. You see, you ever walked into, we've all walked into a movie late, yes, no? You walk in five, 10 minutes, it's getting harder and harder because they're running like 90 minutes of previews now, but you can still get to a movie late. And then um, you're wondering throughout the movie, you're kind of nudging people and trying to figure out who, who's who and what's what, because very often those first moments are crucial. There's a flashback, they tell you where it is, and, and there's character development and all, all these things. So if you come in late to a movie, it's going to be very difficult to get the full sweep 
of the script, to understand the drama. Same is true with the Bible. I think many people depart from the faith because they pick up the Bible midway in the movie. And they never really get the full, the full scarlet thread of redemption from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation. You see, we need that whole story. And many people have, uh, have problems with uh, suffering. Why would God allow? How could God allow what's happening here or there? You see, but if you understand just the very opening, the opening of the, the movie, there's three things you can use for a filter that we, we can ascertain from that opening scenes. First of all, what? In the beginning, God. Boom. Number one, God is. See? God, the Bible doesn't argue about God. It declares God. That's good. God is. Got it. Number two, God created. So God is, and he's all-powerful because he spoke into being all the universe, all the stars, all the creation, and he developed everything that is. So we got two things there. First of all, God is, and then God is powerful. That is not good enough. Many pantheistic religions believe that. They believe God is, and they believe God is all-powerful, and they are terrified of him. They have no real relationship of him. The Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, the Babylons, the Mayans, the Mayans, the Aztecs, none of them had a personal relationship. All of them believed in God or gods, but they, they didn't have that third component. Because after God created everything, what did he say? It's all good. That's crucial. Two out of three is not enough. God is, God is all-powerful, and then God is all good. We have a loving God in the Judeo-Christian ethic. That's, that's orthodoxy. And once you, once you have that in stone, like, like a, a foundation in your life, you begin to filter everything through it. Something happens to you and you go, God, why would you? What, what, what? God is, he could change, he's all powerful, he's also good, he must have a higher purpose. I can trust him because he's good, powerful, and he is real. You see? And so the rest of the movie, <clears throat> forgive me, then begins to make sense. Then it begins to unfold just as it planned. Now, we don't have the full script. We have a brief, shining moment on stage. We have a little script, a couple, couple pages of script, and then we, we can read and see most of the rest of it. But things, there are mysteries in the Bible. God isn't uh, obligated to tell us everything, and nor are we able to comprehend everything. It would blow our little minds, literally. That's why Paul, when he went to heaven, came back and said, you know what, it'd be spiritually criminal to tell you what I saw. You couldn't handle it. That's why God said, Moses, you can't see my face. It would destroy you. You'd be arrayed as the lost ark moment. So we, we need to realize that's the filter. That's the filter. You need to run everything through. Those three just fundamental truths in the very opening pages of the Bible. God is. He's powerful. He's good. Boom. And some people, I really believe some people leave the faith because they've only watched the same trailer over, the preview, over and over and over again. And they never get the full, what God's full scope and plan is, how wonderful he is, how marvelous his plan is, and how certain his outcome is. And so there is no substitute for the full counsel of God's word. Verse by verse, page by page, and sometimes it's, it's kind of plotting. Sometimes, but you know what? It's getting down in your soul. 
Let me tell you, if you will marinate your soul with the word of God, verse by verse, absorbing the full counsel of God's word, you will very seldom stray long term. I'm not saying we won't stumble. I'm not saying we won't have seasons. I'm saying you probably, that's the best um, insurance against straying. Now, it's not foolproof, and there are fools who prove that to be true, but uh, generally speaking, that's wisdom. So um, let's get, move along here. Uh, shepherds do not carry the rod for fashion. It's because we are not to tolerate false doctrine. Sometimes we must warn those predators who come in amongst the flock, as, as, Paul, as Paul warned the Ephesians, and uh, warn them and then expel, the, expel them because we are obligated to protect and to pray for the flock. All right, let's move on. A few more topics here. Uh, we have seen these inferior shepherds. Let's talk about the great shepherd. Let's talk about the good shepherd the one who doesn't ever fail. Some fast facts about that great shepherd. Jesus proclaimed himself to be just that. He said, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. I know who my sheep are, and they hear my voice, and I hear theirs. Now, that's tremendous confidence we get from him. He says, if, in fact, if, we go, if you go through our text today, Ezekiel 34, uh, 6, 7 through 11, you will find seven times I've highlighted here where the Lord says, I myself will. I will. I will search for my sheep. I will seek out my sheep. I will bring them out of the peoples. I will feed them on the mountains. I will feed them in good pasture. I will feed my flock. I will seek what is lost. Seven times. That is the will of God for his sheep, that he will take care of us. He'll bring us out from the scattered multitude. And how does he do that? How does he care for us? Because Jesus stood up one day and looked out upon the people. He said he thought it was like a, a multitude of sheep without a shepherd. And guess what he did next? This is in, in Mark, it's also in, in Luke to a lesser degree. And then it says, and he taught them. He is amazing, he taught them. That's the solution to a soul sick society the kind in which we live, because uh, we do indeed live with, amongst people, our people, with sick souls, because we've been infected by the contamination of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The symptoms are obvious. I don't need to quote you the statistics. You know them. Uh, so often we treat the symptom and not the disease. Only the word of God can penetrate between soul and spirit. Uh, a counselor can't. They can, they can help you maneuver. I, I encourage that. Uh, medicine can't, although that may be appropriate in, in many cases. Only the word of God can penetrate between soul and spirit to do the work of healing, new birth, and transformation. That's what we must depend upon. See, you need a real shepherd who speaks real truth. He tells the fluke, the, tr the truth to his flock rather. Jesus saw them, he saw them as lost sheep, and he began to, began to teach them and guide them and lead them properly. A restored soul will live in the shadow of the shepherd. You need a, 
You need a close walk with the Lord. Sheep never drift by themselves back into safety. And in fact, few things in nature drift in a good direction. We need purpose. We need guidance. We need a leader. And uh, we need to lead others well. As we, let me count the ways it's positive, the benefits of you living in the shadow of the shepherd. First of all, as I said, predators don't prowl in his shadow. You'll find safety in that shadow. You can't get lost in his shadow if you stay there. So you have confidence. And you will know him better by being close to him. So you'll find reality and not fantasy and not fiction that so many people are chasing. You know, the closer you are, the better off you are to Jesus. See, the Bible says the children of Israel knew the acts of God. Listen, the children of Israel knew the acts of God but Moses knew the ways of God. See, there are, you can stand back as spectators and go, wow, look what God's doing feeding the children. Look how he's translating the, wow, you can be a spectator like in the Super Bowl. There's a huge difference to being on the field, close to the action. You see, it, it's very consuming to be down there. The children of Israel, yeah, they saw God part the Red Sea and bring the plagues and do the manna and all, all the tricks. But Moses knew God face to face. Moses knew the ways of God. And we're to know his ways. And so it also says in the Bible that he will, he will guide his people with his eyes. Isn't that interesting? You have to be so close to somebody to be able to observe their eyes where they just look and you know where they're pointing. Uh, that you, he, you look, he looks somewhere and that's where he's guiding to you. Haven't we learned so much about body language? In fact, they say that a great percentage of communication is not verbal. It's in body language. And we, we've seen that so much with this past two years of living in a mask where you couldn't see half of a, a person's face and you, could, you really couldn't tell. I would just tell people, by the way, hey, I'm smiling. Just so you know, under this, I am smiling at you. That's, we, we need to have a relationship that is organic and not professional. You need, need a business relationship, a, a superficial relationship with God. You need a spiritual relationship with him. That's what he wants to install. He's offering you in his life. And so uh, that's why Paul said, oh, that I might know him. You see, that should be the cry of, our, oh, that I might know him. You have to live close to somebody to truly know, him, know someone. Because you can see somebody from a distance and really not know their heart. You can know their outside shell and their, with, with they, the charisma they, uh, they project. But your relationship, listen, your relationship with Jesus must be intensely and progressively personal. Personal as it is permanent. And not superficial and not professional. Read the Gospels. Jesus resented professional religion. He was insulted by it. Anybody that would keep his people from coming to him. Let the little children come to me. Let the prostitutes come to me. Let the lepers. And then he, he, would, he would heal them, touch them, and lead him. So some questions. And we have a few more minutes here. Are, uh, are you willing to be his sheep? It's an important question. You see the... Um, 
Psalm, I mean, who wouldn't raise their hand to Psalm 23? All the promises, green pastures, buffet dinner, end, end up in heaven, and et cetera. Sure, it sounds good to me. Let me tell you about the flip side of Psalm 23. You don't often hear about because um, it's more than benefits. You go, there's a dark side to Psalm 23. Ew. It's kind of a sheep sound right there. But um, he makes me lie down. He guides me in the path of righteousness. Why does he have to guide you? Because you never go there on your own. You never walk in the path of righteousness without somebody guiding you. Um, uh, he acknowledges the valley of death and its shadow. And he, he uh, also acknowledges the presence of predators. Listen, it, it, he'll make you go in a way you don't want to go. That's what Peter said at the end of his life. That he would, you're going to go somewhere you don't want to go, Peter. That's your, that's your uh, benediction. And Peter's like, well, wait, what about John? And Jesus said, what is that to thee? You follow me. Uh, he will use his staff to prevent your wandering. He will anoint your head. That may sound all religious and, and mystical and cool. He anoints the head of the sheep because they have diseases. They, they, have, uh, they have contracted. Ultimately, I admit, uh, he is wise. Uh, we must admit he is wise, but he is a jealous God. We uh, have a God who says no. Go, wait a minute, it says in Psalm 23, I get all my wants. That's not, that's not all your cravings. It means you will lack nothing. That's what that means. And so further, uh, what, if, what if you gave a five-year-old everything they wanted? Two, two, two predictions. A sugar coma by noon, and they'd be in the wandering in the traffic by 5 p.m. So that wouldn't be a good parent, now would it? So God does, he's a, he's a God who says no quickly. God desires to be, and I'll rip off, a, I'll borrow a Tim, Tim Keller a mini outline. God desires priority in your life, fidelity, and intimacy. And I haven't time to unpack those, but take them home and, and ponder them. All right, let's wrap this up with uh, questions for the flock. And I'll go through them in, in rapid fire. How close do you live to the shepherd? Only you can answer that question. Is there anything blocking your view of him? Then, Do you seek the shepherd daily? Is he the first priority in your life? The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do you mimic the good shepherd? In other words, what kind of shepherd are you to the flock God has given to you? Are you leading them in the paths of Psalm 23? Look well, the Bible says, to the condition of your flock. And then finally, are you a healthy sheep? You see, it's so important because the, um, the well-being of a flock reflects on who? The shepherd. If you see a mangy, emaciated sheep always wandering off and getting in trouble, that's a bad reflection on the shepherd. And we're to give him glory by being a transformed sheep. So your condition is a direct reflection on the great shepherd. Well, as we close here, I'm going to give you what I often try to do. I've, I've added to it a little bit, what I call three atomic prayers. In my view, my humble opinion, um, the wisest words any human being can, can utter or say in their own heart. Number one, obviously, I want to be one of God's sheep, therefore I repent and accept Jesus and the work 
on the cross for my sins that forgives me eternally. Number two, from this day forward, let me do everything possible that in that final day I will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Number three, if there's anything in the way of my view of the shepherd, of seeing him and walking in his shadow, help me remove it and let me live in the shadow of the shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, just crystal clear direction you give to us, how it speaks to all matters of life and godliness. People today who are struggling and grappling, Lord, need to look to you, walk close to you, and allow you to lead them and guide them in the paths of righteousness. How wonderful are your words that you are our great shepherd. You will restore our soul-sick souls, Lord. And you will, Lord, anoint our heads and help our cup runneth over. Each of us right now surrenders as much as, as we're willing to you, the great shepherd, that we would be good examples of, of the care of, of, of your sheep. And Lord, that we look forward to dwelling in your house forever. Let's all stand and worship, shall we? This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.